Hey everyone, this is Lee. Just chatting with my good friend Skippy, and with me as well as Skippy is Ashwin. Hey, and also John. That's hello. <laughs> it is in kangaroo. Who, sorry, it is for those who haven't ever listened to us before. We do half of this in Skippy language. No, it's, not, <laughs> it's not true. I mean, people, people will not listen if we do that. Um, but and uh, all two of the people that listen will not listen anymore. We need <laughs> yeah. those two people just to keep us going. So please, and that's our mums. So that's, yeah, I know that's yeah. the worst part. We'll be huge in the kangaroo world, which is probably uh, <laughs> a better audience to have. Yeah, they'll be playing us in zoos and stuff, but anyway. So today we're going to talk about episode 28, which is called No Trespasses. This episode aired in Australia in August of 1968. It was directed by Max Varnell and the writer was Ross Napier, so it's the deadly duo. I feel like someone (laughs) should make a telly movie about this pair called Varnell and Napier, because they're just... There are always some interesting stories whenever they handle an episode. Yeah, and there's a lot of testosterone in this episode, so that makes sense now. Yeah. In terms of the cast, our regulars appear. We also have a couple of guest stars, but I'll reveal them as they appear in the episode. So I'm going to get straight into it, guys. Mm -hmm. All right. So this episode begins with Skippy standing atop a ridge in a bush regarding a trail of rubbish. Straight off the bat, we get some stuffed kangaroo hand action, which we always love when this happens. Skippy is the litter bug in this case, as she reaches into her pouch to drop more of this crumpled paper onto the ground. I'll ask you to start with, John, did you know what was happening at this point? Absolutely not. My first two second thought was there was a litter, litter bug and Skippy was like going, what the hell? And then revealed <laughs> Skippy was the one. And then the whole lead up later, it's like they never give you an explanation of what's going on here. But I'm assuming it's a game because there's yeah. some very jaunty Skippy-like music happening, but it's very like happy and like, you know. And so, yeah, I was very confused to say the least. I was just going to say, I had this idea, like, Skippy looks quite aggressive at that moment, like she's throwing some kind of anthem or something. It's quite a unique Skippy mood for me. But I don't know if it was exactly that moment or later, but just very soon it felt like a game of Hansel and Gretel. To me, like she was leaving a trail. Yes, but it is sort of funny because you never see animals littering. Oh, I guess you do if they uh, go through a garbage can, but, like, deliberately (laughs) pulling them out and storing rubbish. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you're both right, because Mark and Sonny can be seen rushing up behind her, picking up the pieces of paper to follow her. So that was where I, same as you think, okay, it's obviously some sort of game, like a Hansel and Gretel game, like you said, Ashwin. And Mark says, she's sure making it hard for us, suggesting, mm. you know, they're all playing together. We see Skippy stop as she reaches a very ominous large gate with a sign saying, keep out. And now the music immediately becomes sinister. We see two men emerge and walk off, and Skippy she decides to enter this forbidden area. And as she enters pretty quickly after that, the two men return and close the gate after her. So dun, 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 we then cut to the credits. When we cut back after the credits, we see Mark and Sonny approaching the sound of a speed bag being used. Well, they didn't know what that was, but I recognized it. For those unfamiliar, you've probably seen this in boxing movies or in training if you ever watch boxing. This is a teardrop-shaped leather ball affixed to the roof of a board, which the boxer punches so that it bounces against the roof and back again. Usually with a triple thud, it's that chugga 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 sound. It's to train like hand-eye coordination, timing, reflexes, speed, and stamina. So it's been around for over 100 years, I would say, as a training 
tool. And can I just interrupt and say I'm really glad that Lee did this episode because <laughs> I'm assuming, Ashwin, like me, you have no idea about boxing and no. what you know is just off movies, um, whereas Lee's actually done it and is a massive fan of the Rocky movies. So, yeah. and, you know, boxing in general. So, And I was going to say, this is 14 years before Rocky because I reckon yes. most kids after Rocky came out would know that. <laughs> down from the training montages where Mark and Sonny had no chance in 1967. That's right. Well, Mark and Sonny, they duck as they see the gate behind which the sound is coming from. Neither really know what it is, as we said. They decide to go back and let Matt know. We see Sonny ask, well, where's Skippy, though? And Mark thinks she's probably on her way home. Now, I'm really keen, Ashwin, given the history of this park, should they not now immediately be thinking danger when one of their crew is missing? Yeah, this just must be some sort of collective amnesia in this park. I don't know if there's some sort of plan, but they're just branded at the end of each episode. But I was surprised that Skippy even went into this compound because she's got such a good instinct normally. It was just weird for her to wander into this danger zone well we do go straight into the boxing camp now where we see a young boxer training on the speed bag while in the background a makeshift ring has been erected with two guys sparring inside the boxer at the speed bag who we will find out who he is in a moment but he is really struggling to do it consistently which i mean admittedly it is very hard and that's when his trainer comes over and tells him that's enough for now so i'll get straight into who this boxer is the boxer is called rocky funnily enough not balboa but miller He's played by actor Gary Gray, and Gary had a pretty good TV career from the 60s to the 80s with a recurring role as Dr. Marsden on the show Prisoner, Cell Block H, as well as Mike Wells on the 60s show Adventures of the Sea Spray, which sounds like a really interesting show. I'm pretty keen to check that one out one day. Yeah, that does look interesting. Yeah. Pop Miller is the name of the trainer, and he's played by Chips Rafferty, and Chips was considered the personification of the stereotypically rugged, laconic Aussie male back in the day. This is going back to the 40s and 50s when when I say in the day. He had a successful career from actually from the 30s to the 70s, mm. most notably for the role in the 1962 Mutiny on the Bounty, which starred Marlon Brando, Richard Harris, so a pretty big movie there that he was in. Another interesting point was that he was in a 1952 movie called, and I want you all to get ready for this, Kangaroo. So it's like he was destined to play in a Skippy show. Yeah, and I also noticed that he was in another one called Wombida Animal Doctor, a TV series, like a little bit later, because that just caught my eye, because I was like, oh, another animal-related one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting too. Also, what do you guys think about, like, having two cool names? Like, Chips is a cool name. Like, uh, he's a cool name. Shouldn't you be, like, Chips Johnson or, like, um, I, I think, what yeah. do you think about two names? I don't think you could make up a more Australian colloquial name. Yeah. Well, they see Skippy and they wonder where she came from. And Rocky, call, uh, you know what I'm just going to say, by the way, this Rocky thing, it's really because of Rocky Marciano from the 50s, who was a heavyweight champ, undefeated. You can see plenty of documentaries on him. Mm-hmm. Definitely Sylvester Stallone was inspired in part by that name. The way he fought was quite similar to the way Rocky Marciano fought. But, um, <laughs> but you, you know that Sylvester Stallone watched this as a kid and this was direct inspiration, don't you? Know? Well, yeah, that's the real <laughs> I'm movie. sorry. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, carry on. So Rocky but called... on that point, how cool would it have been if Rocky Six was just like Stallone has to fight a kangaroo? Just... Oh, yeah. A giant That's, red, giant six foot red. He has to fight a kangaroo crossed 
between um, Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, and like, uh, Mr. T. Yes, oh, my God. Kangaroo yeah. um, Mohawk, that would have been awesome. <laughs> or just yeah. Skippy, because we know Rocky would not stand a chance against Skippy. Oh. He should just hop no. on his face. <laughs> well, Rocky calls Skippy a he in this moment, and Pop corrects him, pointing out that she's got a pouch. Rocky says that he thinks all kangaroos had pouches, which, if I'm being honest, I bet if you ask the average person on the street, you'd probably get the exact same assumption. I would say most people don't know that. Yeah, because it's not a, a very genitalia kind of thing. It's just like, oh, yeah, that's just an accessory that they just happen to have. <laughs> yeah, it's a clutch purse. Yeah. So Rocky then leans down to talk to Skippy, and in this close-up, I swear this was Joshua Jackson back when he was in Dawson's Creek. I don't know if you guys saw that resemblance, but he looked just like Pacey from Dawson's Creek. Oh, yeah, no, I know who you mean, and yeah, I can totally see it now, because I was trying to sort of pick something that I recognised about him, and that is, uh, yeah, oh, you're dead on there, Lee. Yeah, so that or else when he was in the Mighty Ducks, Um, but anyway... (laughs) So he says to Skippy that, you know, she might be a reporter in disguise or maybe a spy from the enemy camp. And when Skippy and he start flirting, which they pretty much do straight away, (laughs) holding hands, Skippy is there away and Rocky says that she seems to like him, which she definitely does. And that's when they hear something. I'll give the quote from Pope because he says this a lot when he refers to this helicopter. He says, what's that hurdy-gurdy doing here? And that's... Super Aussie slang. I don't think I've ever heard that before, but that's his favourite thing to call word. it. Yeah. yeah. It is probably the most said word through this whole thing apart from Skippy. Well, Matt and Mark land the chopper and approach, or land the hurdy-gurdy, and approach to ask what's going on. And after Pope tries to dodge the question by referring to Skippy, and he says, oh, she just wandered in, Matt tells him he can't set up camp inside the Waratah National Park, and he also introduces himself as the head ranger. Pope immediately becomes friendly and says he's pleased to meet him. He then intros his son, Rocky Miller, which excites Mark a lot. He's clearly heard of this fighter because he's a famous Australian boxer. Jerry also comes over to introduce himself. He's been busily chatting down the chopper and Mark excitedly tells him who it is. He's totally fanboying about this particular fighter. So we're really getting the idea that in the mythology of Skippy, this is, I guess, the equivalent of a Rocky Balboa. It's a famous boxer. Yeah, what did you think of that, Ashwin? I thought he's too young to be a famous boxer. I was like, he seemed 14 or something. It's like, do you get famous at 14? You get famous at 19. Or maybe just everyone was tinier back then. And so maybe more like 21. But I thought, yeah, that was my first impression. I was like, man, you're really young to be famous. But he was going for a title fight. And probably the young, I mean, one of the youngest, at least, that springs to mind, the most famous, at least, that was that young doing it was Mike Tyson. Like, he was, I think, 18, 19 when he was. <laughs> he was so... probably about three times the size of that. Yeah, yeah this guy was fine. <laughs> And from what uh, I hear from his technique, <laughs> um, he, he wasn't that crash hot anyway. No, we'll, we'll, there's something that comes up that I'll point out to you where I'm like, this is clearly an actor being taught five minutes before the scene starts. Here's how you do this. Cause he I'm, was, yeah. I'm glad yeah. we've got your expertise to pick this apart because I yeah. thought it looked a little bit funny. Yeah. So at this point, Pop takes Matt for a walk through the camp, explaining how Rocky needs to be protected with complete isolation. He says he's got a title fight coming up, which can be a lot of pressure, which of course it would be. And while they talk, Rocky is with Mark and Jerry, and Rocky explains how they didn't realize it was illegal to set up camp there. They just wanted to get away from the press and all the snoopers. Jerry tells him he should have asked Matt's permission. Rocky says, look, that's fine. They were breaking up camp at night anyway, as the weigh was tomorrow. He offers to take Mark and Jerry around the camp, but not before Mark asks for a turn of the speed bag. After he bounces it back directly into his own face, Rocky says, look, I'll show you how to do it. And this is what I was referring to a second ago. To be honest, 
he does a pretty ordinary job of this <laughs> Yeah, so, I didn't see much difference between him and Mark, no, except he wasn't hitting himself in the face. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was looking at that thinking, if he's got a title fight coming up, he's in trouble. Especially because <laughs> after that, he says he spent years practicing. I thought, oh, God, have you oh, spent no. years practicing? That's the best you can do. Yikes. He's uh, a speed bag double. Like, I'm sure you could find someone with the same back as Rocky. They had someone there, and I'll get to him in a second, um, who is a professional fighter. And I do want to point out, look, he's an actor. He's not a boxer. He's not a pro boxer. So he does okay. And there is a cutaway to his sparring partner, and this is the one I'm referring to now, who's sitting there and overhearing them talk. Nothing's really made of it, though. And... The sparring partner is named Frank, is actually played by Jimmy Carruthers, and he is a former world bantamweight boxing champion. This was his only acting credit, but why not just use him? And I guess the only reason is probably because if you look at the size of his head, his head is as big <laughs> as his entire Gary's body. So I think probably you would have noticed someone else is hitting that speed bag. Mm-hmm. No, no, he was a pretty big unit. Yeah. Now, Rocky now says training is boring. So it's also not a good attitude for someone about to have a title fight, saying that he thinks it'd be more exciting to fly the chopper like Jerry. And Jerry asks him if he'd like to go up, and though Rocky is meant to rest, he agrees. He says he'll meet him outside the park so that his dad doesn't see. When Jerry says that he doesn't want him to get into trouble, Rocky says it's okay, he'll never know. And we cut back to the over-listening Frank, but this is something that sort of was set up that I didn't really go anywhere. I thought, okay, is this so that Frank can then go tell his dad? But mm. that didn't happen. I wasn't sure why. Mm. They, the fact that he was a well-known fighter from the time, I thought, why do they keep cutting to him to suggest he's listening in, he's going to spill the beans when he doesn't? I assume that he does it in the background. That was just my assumption because um, Pops does come later in the story as you will get to. So I'm not sure. I just sort of assumed that he told him at some point. But- I was the script changed late or something that they planned it to be this way and then they had to yep. change it later. Yeah. That's quite possible. It might have been edited, maybe a deleted scene or something. Yeah. So anyway, we return to Pop and Matt where Pop is saying he's got to watch his son like a hawk and he could probably have a world title fight if he put more heart into it like his brother. And this is where we get a bit of a sad moment. It's revealed that his older brother was killed in a car accident and uh, they sort of have a bit of a moment there of reflection. And he says, look, he will, however, make a champion of his youngest son, Rocky, who has never been knocked off his feet before in a fight. So it's setting him up to be, again, a bit like Rocky Marciano, someone who just, just can't knock him down. It's a nice scene. And before Matt, Jerry, and Mark leave with Skippy, they wish Rocky luck. Uh, interestingly, when they ask Skippy to get into the chopper, though, she hesitates. And it's Rocky who needs to say it's mm. okay for her to go. So I know, John, you were sort of suggesting this before. What did you make of that? Well, I did notice that. I wasn't sure whether that was just sort of saying that he's built a relationship, but it was very interesting that, like, Skippy didn't go until he said, it's okay, you can go. But also just, like, he's immediately bonded with this kangaroo. It was pretty uh, interesting, yeah. It's also interesting that, and I didn't realise this until the end, but Sonny has disappeared from this point on, and we don't really see him again until the end. So it was another episode where Sonny, after being prominent in the first dozen or so is just not really featured not, much in the last doesn't couple. appear yeah i wonder also this this is like you know when the simpsons came out it was all about bart simpson do the bartman do the bartman all that and then later on the series became about homer when they realized the audience loved homer more maybe people just don't like sunny that much and they're just writing other characters in a bit more you've got to expand the thing and they've already used the uh going to his aunt's place you know and then yeah. and then they use the excuse to ship him off to uh, having his school tests. And then yeah. this one, they just went, nah, people will, 
not, you know, people don't care anymore. <laughs> you know? Maybe it's like Shannon Doherty is just really difficult on set. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, but maybe, or maybe that was it. Like, maybe he had like had to do some school stuff, or they he was just way less available. And um, I'm assuming yeah. they still did have some kind of semi children's hours yeah. working back then. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah they could have written the episodes around him. I'm not sure. But if you notice, Rocky looks a lot like Sonny. It's like when your girlfriend yeah. and the new boyfriend looks exactly the same. Like that's what they've done. They've just got rid of him and replaced him with a. More muscular Sonny for this episode. <laughs> well, I don't know if you'd say muscular, but I suppose he's <laughs> older, older. Not, not fat. No. no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, back to the chopper. Mark looks back at Rocky and says how he'd love to fight like him. So in one case, we've got Rocky saying that he would love to be flying a chopper like them. And Mark then saying how he'd love to be able to fight like him. So a bit of grass is always greener. And back in the camp, Pop gets Rocky back in the ring for some sparring. And as they watch the chopper leave, Rocky then tells his dad how he'd love to fly, to be free like a bird. So again, they're really, and they do this so much. There's so much of this grass is always greener in this particular episode where everyone wants what the other person has. The chopper hoffers over them so that they can stick their arms out the door and wave to Rocky. And when they do this, it's really, it looks like it's rocking around pretty dangerous, didn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Tells Rocky that this is pretty extreme. He says he'd rather cut his own arm off than let Rocky up in that hurdy gurdy, Mm -hmm. which sends Rocky into a rage as he rushes into sparring straight on the attack, which again was very sloppy. But at the same time, the message was across. He was not happy that his dad was again restricting him from doing, you know, something that he might want to do. And um, Pops was rousing on him for punching the bag with his bare hands when he was demonstrating with Mark as well. Like, he's totally controlling every aspect of him and, like... You're right. So, his dad had seen when he was demonstrating to the others how to hit the bag and he didn't have any sort of gloves on, which is exactly right. He was like, those hands are worth a fortune. Don't damage them. Which I thought was a bit over the top, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you um, should be training with gloves to protect your hands, but at the same time, it was just, again, another reinforcement of he's just got no agency. Like, his dad just controls everything he does. Yes, and that was the whole point of it is that he's, yeah, and that's why he's so ignorant of pretty much everything. Like, he doesn't have yeah. a clue. Now, I'm not sure about this, but this is where I sort of picked up the metaphor in my own head, but helicopter, helicopter parent, did you sort of start getting that? <laughs> I just was like... Did they do that on purpose? Was that a term back then? That sounds like such a 90s term. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a bit too too late, but I just thought that was interesting because he basically is a helicopter parent and uh, Rocky's obsessed yeah. with helicopters. Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty good observation there, John. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I don't know why my mind went there, but it just was really interesting because... Is, is Ross Napier smart enough to... Oh, <laughs> to <write> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I'm looking forward to like episode 31 when there's a tiger mum involved and we get to see an active tiger. <laughs> Cougar. Cougar. <laughs> we don't want the Tiger King. No Tiger King. No. Um, no. So, uh, Skippy Tiger King, don't you dare. <laughs> She's ours. <laughs> oh, no, it's a she. We're fine. All right, so we cut to later on when Rocky jumps into the chopper with Jerry. So he's, has, he's met him now in that secret part of the ranch. He asks Rocky if he's ever flown before. Rocky reiterates again how his dad won't let him do anything but fight. We then get up into the air. Jerry's telling Rocky what they do up in the chopper as part of his work, looking out for bushfires or wink-wink training camps that shouldn't be there. And we go back to the station after this where Pop drives up to ask Matt if he's seen his son, saying that he assumed he'd be there since his friend Jerry has been filling his head with nonsense. So this is where I thought, what about the sparring partner that was meant to have been overhearing but 
is what I thought. They didn't really play that off, but anyway. Yeah, well, know. that's why I thought the guy had overheard him talking to Jerry and then... You're right, yeah. Yeah, maybe probably... that, as I said, I just assumed it all happened in the background. Yes. So Mark approaches and Matt asks Pop to wait inside. Mark tells his dad, Rocky is up with Jerry since it seems like Pop is keeping his son locked away, like in a prison. He just wanted to let him be free. Matt, though, goes back inside, which is the right thing to do. He tells Pop what's happened, and Pop tells Matt he'd better go and find him and that he holds him personally responsible. Matt makes a point of saying that the helicopter might have risks, but his son is safer there than in the prize ring, and that is actually very yeah. true. That, <laughs> that least... is probably the best point Matt has ever made, I think. Yes, except for what happens next. So... <laughs> So Matt then radios Jerry and tells them to come back. Pacey, sorry, Rocky then complains that his dad ruined it and that the truth is he hates fighting. He always has. Jerry asks why he doesn't give it away. And just in case we didn't know it after the last thousand times, Pop won't let him. That's when they realize the gas is low in the chopper and they have to make an emergency crash landing. So so Matt was wrong after all. At the ranch, (laughs) Pop is on the landing pad waiting. And Mark and Matt talk about how they should be back soon. Matt says if they're not, Pop will soon burst a blood vessel. We go back to the crash site. Jerry gets out and he's really shaky, a little bit bloody, and he's trying to wake up Rocky. It's a pretty long shot with no real close-ups, which makes me wonder if they couldn't get the camera physically closer because of all those tree branches they had scattered around the chopper. What did you guys think? Do you think that was just the logistics of the shoot? Yeah, you're right. It shouldn't it should need at least a close-up as well, but... I still got the sense that, yeah, they crash and this is a mess. Well, it was sort of interesting that the chopper was completely intact and seemingly no damage, just like lots and lots of trees cut down. And I guarantee you there will be no, in the next episode, there will be no talk about the chopper being damaged or anything and with a faulty fuel gauge. And the other thing is like, you know how the Hollywood cliche, they always tap the thing when it's run out. I've never seen them tap it and then it runs out. Do you know what I mean? Like, they always, like, look at the fuel gauge and go, you know, like in Indiana Jones, and I don't know. It just was interesting because it's always empty. But um, that was a sort of very set-up crash, but not too bad because they couldn't damage the chopper. That Uh, might be why they didn't do any coverage because then you would see that the helicopter was perfectly intact. (laughs) Yeah, and they could just fly away again. Yeah, no, so that's I'm assuming that's why they did that. Well, we then cut to Matt who says, look, they definitely should be back by now and he'll see what's keeping them he radios jerry who we again see super battered and he drags his way to the chopper but he can't clear his vision enough to answer the radio and in the background rocky wakes up and he's even more worse where he's in some kind of stupor like punch trunk to the nth degree where he's hearing his dad in his head as if he was in the ring with a crowd cheering so he's really been knocked out but you also get the impression that this is probably just one more blow after many many hundreds that he's had if he's going for a title flight some kind of brain damage flashback yeah so he decides to start boxing jerry which Over the radio, Matt and the others can hear this being transmitted. And Jerry's there going, what are you doing, Rocky? What are you doing? And he knocks Jerry out and then turns to the camera, smiling, asking how he did. And the thing is, his dad, who's there with Matt, can hear all of this. And he can hear him calling to his dad when Pop starts saying, you know, Rocky, Rocky. And Rocky, who's obviously not able to see this, he freaks out. And he starts to think, where's my dad? I can hear him. And he runs off looking for him. And we have a really 
fairly important shot here where we like a turning point for his dad who is understandably really disturbed you can see real concern that something is not right with his son yeah you know this moment reminds me of you know when you've got one of those automatic pet feeders and you like the food comes out at 4 p.m but you can talk on the intercom to your pet as well and if you talk your pet just looks like they've seen a ghost because they don't understand like telepathic communication that must have been like for this kid who's having a PTSD episode and there's this yeah. voice coming through the head so yeah it would, would have been traumatic yeah no I so I took it like Ashwin where I thought it was just like Vietnam flashbacks you know that type of thing uh, where he was just you know literally coached from birth into doing this thing that he doesn't want to do by his very overbearing dad so yeah it was sort of quite disturbing this poor kid and the, and you definitely saw that and the, and the dad sort of realized that he might have gone too far with his training and just being too overbearing and can i just say of all the sports to not want to do boxing is or any sort of combat sport would be the worst because i remember in grade eight we had to do cricket and that was boring as hell for me but i wasn't at risk if i didn't concentrate of getting punched in the face Mm. so i think of all the sports to force someone a kid one of your own kids to do you pick the most dangerous out there yeah yeah and unfortunately he was he was cursed from birth being called rocky like every kid has to become a boxer then and there was like a very sentimental violin score going over this too like old filmic violin dramatic s- score yeah it's also the first time we've ever seen anyone ever get the better of jerry physically so it's a bit of a turning point for us in the series yeah, yeah. he definitely just the old one too and jerry was knocked yeah. out if he's a professional Sorry. fighter jerry yeah true. have a just rough and sort of- jerry's also like what the fuck is going on <laughs> like this kid is this kid is literally attacking me and i have no idea why yeah. also i just wanted to mention before we go too far was that um chips rafferty pops he, he does these great moments when he's all cross at the beginning at Matt, like Matt goes, please wait inside. And then he walks past him, go like, I just thought they were real, like gruff dad things. Like uh, he nailed those. I just, yeah. Yeah. He's he's definitely a good actor. Jerry wakes up and he tells Matt over the radio where they are. And then he goes immediately after Rocky because he's run off and Rocky is, it's almost like he's sleepwalking. He walks right off the edge of a cliff and lands in the river. And that was a pretty impressive stunt because he sort of hangs onto a tree branch when he realizes his feet have just walked off into nowhere and then straight into the water, Jerry arrives and rescues him. It was a very interesting scene because he arrives and then we immediately cut to him already having caught Rocky in the water as it was a sort of very blunt cut. So at the same time, Matt and the others jump in their rescue boat and they head out after them. We see Jerry drag the unconscious Rocky to the Rocky Bank. Pun <laughs> totally intended. I had uh, Rocky Bank too. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it, was like, it wasn't a sandbank, it was just all rock. And he immediately starts CPR. And again, getting back to the music, the music for this whole scene, it's very dramatic. It's a little melancholy. It's certainly not action-based because this was not meant to be a fast-paced, exciting scene. This was mm. more dramatic and you know a bit heartbreaking Mm. matt mark and pop are seen scanning the water for them while jerry continues cpr and they really do show the cpr for quite a bit of time like the mouth to mouth although he doesn't give him any chest compressions he's only giving him breathing but yeah i noticed that yeah it's tv show finally rocky regains consciousness and he's looking around fairly confused he's still calling out for pop and then he asks him what round it is before he notices that it's actually jerry there He immediately asks where Pop is, and Jerry tries to settle him down, telling him that they're on their way, which he is. Mark notices them immediately after he says that by the shore, and they dock the boat. 
Pop rushes to his son and Rocky tells him he never saw it coming. It was a lucky punch and he walks straight into it and he says, it'll be different next time. Next time he'll take him. And Pop, who's close to tears, very sort of quietly says, sure you will, son. Sure you will. Mm -hmm. And we fade from that to the final scene. So, you know, as a parent, I think you could empathize that it would be fairly heartbreaking, especially when you realize you're responsible for this and you had a previous son killed. So at this point, you'd be very, very mindful of, Putting your kid yeah. in danger. And, and his son won the fight against Jerry. So, you know, <laughs> this would be fun. Yeah, exactly. So, Pop and Rocky drive back to the ranch and they join the Hammonds at breakfast. And Mark asks if he's ready to get back into the training. And Rocky says he's all done with that. And we see this time his dad, Pop, supports this and says it's better to have a son than a fighter, which was a nice moment. Mark asks if Rocky can teach him how to fight, and Rocky says only if he'll teach him how to swim. And Matt says he should have more time to do things like that now. Pop says he realizes he was trying to have his younger son take the place of his oldest, so he's learned now that that's not okay. So we always get this sort of last scene where the, well, we've had a couple of times where they haven't done that. It's been a bit ambiguous, but you know, where the message is reinforced for the episode. Yeah. Um, we can't leave, though, on a serious note like this. So in the background, we hear Sonny, who's now magically reappeared. He said he's got a boxer for him, to which they turn, and we see Skippy. And we haven't seen Skippy in cosplay for a while, but <laughs> Skippy is wearing a pair of boxing gloves. And everyone laughs, especially Pop, who, just like you were saying, who gives a lot of those, like, oh, he guffaws, like, really laughs like a dad, like, ha, ha, ha. He, he cacks his head off. <laughs> he does. And he even throws up his hands in this mock boxing stance, which is the most playful and jovial we've ever seen him. And we cut back to Skippy wobbling around in her gloves, probably because... <laughs> Not natural for a kangaroo to be there somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's when we fade out. So that's the end of the episode. All right. Well, I'll get straight into my review, and then I'll, I'll pass it over to you guys. So sure. this episode, it was a fairly simple affair. Not a lot happened in terms of physical danger. It was low stakes, but it, it opted instead to make the danger a bit more psychological, which I thought was was kind of interesting. Um, you mentioned a few times how I'm a combat sport fan. We didn't really get to see very much boxing, which <laughs> I was a bit disappointed at. I think it would have been like, a bit more of a fun way to open the show would have been to actually see a fight. It's I mean, that, lit- yeah. that literally is how Rocky opened, was him in Philadelphia in that crappy ring fighting. Mm. So it, it wasn't quite what I was hoping for, which, you know, if you read the synopsis and we last episode that we did, we, we gave that synopsis itself seemed a bit more like there was some sort of underground fight ring in the park. Yeah. Which, which some it kind of it was fight club going yeah. on in, in Warrantown. Yeah. So for me, it was an okay episode. I'm going to give it three gum leaves because it wasn't a bad episode at, at all. I'd still say it was worth watching. It just didn't knock me out. Again, pun <laughs> fully intended. All right. So I think usually I, I go to John for his first impression. I'm going to go to you, Ashwin. What did you think of this one? You know, I actually enjoyed recapping it more than watching it. So, because when we've recapped it, we've touched on different layers that, you know, I might have missed during the episode. So that's been fun. But after the episode, I was like, meh, that was all right. Like, it was fun. It was a little bit of boxing. And it was nice to see a dad go from, you know, a hard, gruff, gruff or to a, you know, slightly more well-balanced dad. So that was kind of cool. But yeah, I just wasn't super excited or thrilled by the episode like I have been some some previous. So, you know, I've been the last few I've been hitting like four, four point three, I reckon. I'm gonna have to come back down to three point five gum leaves for this one. Okay, cool. We're still higher than my score, so you're still uh, yeah. above um, average. What about you, John? Yeah, I, 
I think I'm going to agree with you guys all, all as well, because I have to say it did have a lack of Skippy. She featured, but she didn't really do anything. It would have been nice to see her do some, maybe something at the end. It is Skippy the bush kangaroo, but I guess the whole thing was her having this relationship with the kid. Uh, and like, unless Ross Napier is an absolute genius and did come up with helicopter parent, I'm going to go the same as Lee. I'm going to probably give it a three, two. Okay, great. Well, that's our review. What can we expect to see next week, John? Okay, we are up to episode 29, and this will be a two-part episode. So it's uh, entitled Mayday Part 1. Jerry breaks Waratah National Park regulations when a chopper flight is the only way he can keep a date with his girlfriend, Barbara Babs Mason. A dramatic crash results, and it's Skippy to the rescue. Okay, there you go. Um, They love doing things in pairs. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. so didn't we have a chopper issue not too long ago yeah it's um well i guess they've got the chopper they got to use it and then like yeah. the amount of times they'd crash this chopper they you'd think that the uh <laughs> department would be like that's like five crashes in a month like what are you guys doing yeah, jerry is on thin ice yeah, next performance appraisal is gonna have quite a bit to say so yeah well join us next week for that until then i'm lee and i've been joined here with john thank you and ashwin See you guys. Scoop, 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 scoop